the free for all roundtable round two on round two we say good morning to Sanira Chaudhry employment lawyer at Workley Law Robert Benzi is here Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star and Richard Kraus Richard amongst other things is host of the podcast last call with Richard Krauss. Good morning, all. Let's actually start. We had a conversation with a guy known as the Cycling Lawyer early this morning. An initiative is coming to council tomorrow, Toronto City Council, to regulate people who use delivery bikes. So professional bike users, yes, but let's face it, this is the gig economy. Do they really need to go to some sort of specialized training and get a registration ticket? Um, Let me start with uh, the the designated boulevardier, and that would be Richard Krauss. Good morning. Good morning. Listen, I would be okay with them uh, if they only learned one thing, and that's don't ride on the sidewalk uh, when you're trying to, uh, you know, take a shortcut to make your delivery. I live right downtown. We are inundated by delivery bikes, and it's a great service. We use the service sometimes. Uh, but if you're out walking, there are people on uh, bikes, sometimes little motorized bikes that are whizzing around on the sideway, go on the sidewalks, going down one-way streets uh, the wrong way on the sidewalks because it saves them a couple of minutes. And I understand that time is money uh, for these people and you have to get the food there hot and fast and the more deliveries you can make in a day the better off you are paycheck wise you'll make some money Uh, but safety concerns have to be taken into account here you can't have them just running willy-nilly on the sidewalks that's rule number one okay well robert benzie one prong in this strategy that they're looking at at city hall would be enforcement i'd be totally on board with that frankly i sometimes do my own enforcement by just standing in the way of people who bike on a sidewalk. Well, exactly, John. And I look, I cycle to work and and these electric bikes and, and Richard's right, they're motorized, many of them. They're they are whipping by you at speeds faster, frankly, than cars can go in the city, where you know many streets are 30 kilometers an hour and these guys zip by you. They have they provide an important service and I don't want to do anything to to, to stop that because it is useful. But they need to abide by the laws. And if we need to license electric bikes, uh, maybe that's what we need to look at. Sonera, what would you say? Well, I echo, you know, the living in the core, absolutely feel that electric bike, you know, whizzing by. But, you know, this weekend I was out in the distillery with with my son in in the stroller and it's sometimes hard to get out of the way. So when you do have a bike passing you on um, a sidewalk, it, it can certainly be tough, especially for families. But, you know, I think that this the, the biking lawyer here has a point, um, especially in pushing back at some of the ride share companies like Uber, Skip the Dishes, because, you know, if, if we're talking about people making a living wage here that they do have, you know, they're trying to make as many deliveries as they can within an hour, et cetera. These are probably employees probably should have some regulation around it. It's because we're still living in the sort of like gray zone contractor. Are they employees or not? That I don't, I don't think we're seeing the regulation like we should. So uh, the first candidate has uh, got into the liberal leadership race at the provincial level. Robert Benzi, I was paying tribute to your opening line in the coverage of this. Um, how significant a development is it? Nate is first out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, thank you, John. Um, yeah, Nate Erskine-Smith, uh, Beaches East York, a Liberal MP, federal member. He's uh, thrown his hat in the ring to be the Ontario Liberal leader. And, and of course, this is a party that governed 
uh, under uh, Dalton McGinty and Kathleen Wynn for 15 years uh, until 2018, and, and Premier Doug Ford's Tories kind of wiped them out, and they're still looking for a savior. And uh, Mr. Erskine Smith is the first first one uh, to join the race, but there'll be others. Um, maybe Bonnie Crombie, the mayor of Mississauga, Yasser Nakfi, uh, Ottawa Centre MP. Um, uh, Stephanie Bowman, uh, Adil uh, Shamji, and Ted Shu, who are MP- MPPs now, they're thinking about running. So it's it's a lively field, and the Liberals are, you know, they're looking for a solution to defeat Ford's Tories in 2026. I don't know if they'll find it, but who knows? Yeah, Sonera, whoever is elected, it's going to be quite the uh, <laughs> quite the job to try to restore that party. Yeah, I don't. We don't have uh, much of a pulse, I think, in the Liberal Party. So I do think it's going to have to be a big name, John. And and reading through some of the stories, seeing that Yasser Nakfi might be uh, one that um, uh, is exploring the opportunity. I, I mean, uh, being the former Attorney General um, of the province as well, I think might shed some. Uh, more credibility there, but it's interesting to see how this race will shape up. And Richard Krause, I did say we weren't going to spend too much time on this because let's face it, it's three years to the next election and this is the third ranked party. Oh, and it's seven months until they're going to make an announcement about this. So, you know, dear God, the most interesting part of the story is Robert's opening line from that story. Uh, Thank you, Richard. You're welcome. Uh, Other than that, it's a bit of a yawn for me because it seems so far away. And right now I'm just caught up in what's happening in Toronto and the election here in Toronto. I'll get to the Liberal Party uh, provincially uh, after we figure out who's going to be mayor here. Yeah, well, as Jerry was saying, 96 or 76 candidates running for mayor Unreal. currently, and the nominations yep. close on Friday. Okay, let me stick with you, Richard Krause. I remember the day we trooped our way up to Gordon Lightfoot's house for mm. uh, one-on-one sit-downs, and that was an incredible experience. I mean, to sit in the presence of a great artist and be able to engage them in conversation in the room where they did some of their composing. Uh, but what do you make of this pitch to name Young Dundas Square after Gordon Lightfoot? I understand why it makes sense that Gordon Lightfoot uh, sort of cut his teeth uh, at Steele's Tavern, which is just a little bit north of Young and Dundas, or was just a little bit north of Young and Dundas. Uh, he's one of the uh, legends, along with Ronnie Hawkins and a few others, that really made that part of Young Street so interesting uh, in the 1960s and the in the early 1970s. I get it. I get his connection to the area, uh, but I just don't think that we should should be naming and and let me tell you, I respect Gordon Lightfoot as an artist. Uh, I was thrilled to go meet him uh, and to be able to interview him. Met him again uh, recently, about three months ago, and had a, a lovely conversation with him. So, you know, I, I, this there's nothing personal here about this. I just don't think we should be naming uh, big uh, parts of the monuments in the city uh, after living people. And I just think that the, the, all this will do is lead to people digging around and going Gordon Lightfoot's past, looking for some reason for this not to happen. Uh, And I think that if you dig deep enough into anyone's life, you'll find something. So just let's leave well enough alone. Call it Young Dundas Square or call it Square Number One or whatever you want to call it. Let's just not name it after real people. Does somebody actually call it Square Number One? I bet, no, I'm just saying. Let's find another generic name <laughs> right. uh, that we can use that you that you cannot possibly have any kind of uh, problem with. Okay, but sooner it is kind of peak Toronto, isn't it? That we still haven't come up with a creative name for this downtown square. 
Yeah, and Richard's not helping the cause with square number one, right? But I mean, exactly. We have, we have, uh, you know. I thought it was catchy. Square, but, but I think I think the idea is cool, actually, that uh, Adrian Barbarian came up with here because you know you look at Young and Dundas Square, we think it's a tourist trap, but. I used to work on Bond Street at the first law firm, you know, when I articled and I was a first year associate uh, at Toplitsky Colson, right on Bond. Very cool area. There's the senator right there. Elm Street, you know, barbarians. If you walk on Elm Street and see all the cool restaurants, I mean, it really takes you out of the tourist trap that you think Young and Dundas is. So I think the idea of adding some culture back into that area, especially when you have Massey Hall there, you have Elgin Theatre, um, that could be a really cool neighborhood. And right now, I I think most locals avoid it because of the touristy nature that it's become. So I think renaming it is actually a fantastic idea. Don't forget about the Imperial Pub that's right there. 76 oh, years of magnificence right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always get, always sit there with my back to the wall. Uh, Robert Benzie. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I mean, I hear what Richard's saying because there are all of the, you know, the rename this, rename that. I, I, I like the idea and good for Aaron Barbarian for coming up with it because it is so close to Massey Hall and, and Gordon Lightfoot played Massey Hall more than anyone else uh, and and uh, has done a lot for the city and the city's musical heritage. I really would think we do need to do more to honor our artists. Uh, I don't I'm surprised there's not much named after Oscar Peterson, for example, mm. uh, who recorded some uh, some uh, records not very far from Young Dundas square frankly um and just other famous i mean ontario toronto has fantastic uh, musical heritage there's some great books that are written about it good rock in toronto and others and uh, we don't seem to honor it as much as we did we should there's a nice mural on young street but other than that there's not a whole lot are you guys surprised at the rumors that can take hold and people actually find them credible? Sanira, the latest, which has been making its way through the American or you know the United States for a while, but now it's hit in Canada, is this conviction that uh, kids who would like to self-identify as cats now have litter boxes in the school bathroom? Well, <laughs> you know, John, I think I think after, frankly. Um, the story we heard out of the Halton School District that really, um, uh, with the with the uh, you know the enormous breast teacher um, that really seemed to captivate all of North America. I think it was a huge story in the states. So stories like this, in particular, are going to take hold everywhere. What's happening in schools? It's a really it's a polarizing issue. So I'm not surprised that even a hoax story like this could be picked up everywhere. Nelson well, makes a good point, Robert Benzie. We already had strangeness, so why can't uh, uh, something made out of whole cloth seem plausible to people? Yeah, I mean, this is the, the problem nowadays with social media is that hoaxes can spread so quickly and people can become convinced. And the, and, in, and in a time when everyone's talking about culture wars and everything, you get the, the silly season really is never ending now. And I mean, this is I, I'm we've seen this this hoax in Canada a few times. It's been all over the states. It's and we'll probably hear about it again, too. Yeah. And Richard, always when it comes to urban myths, there's a certain subtext to it. And in this case, most people think it's about trying to grieve the fact that there are some changes that have been introduced in schools where children who identify as a different gender would use a different washroom. Absolutely. And this is just a way of stirring up some outrage about it. Of course, it doesn't help when Jared Leto dresses as a cat at the uh, Met Gala and walks down the red carpet. So just fuels those rumors even more. I didn't know that was Jared Leto. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's Carl Lagerfeld's cat Chopet. 
<laughs> my thanks to everybody on the panel. And that's our time. Thanks also to Nick Marano and Joe Cristiano for putting it all together. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.